It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. For today's Fun and Friday, I have with me Wick Terrell, the man in charge of Red Reporter and the lead man on the Red Reporter podcast. Wick, how is everything going for you today? Well, things are going pretty good. No no Reds baseball today, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it's jumping into a string of games against some teams that, in theory, the Reds could beat up on a little bit and maybe, uh, maybe fight and claw their way a little bit closer to that 500 mark. That's what I'm hoping, too. Like, we've got a... A very, and I hesitate to use this word because every time we've used this word, the Reds have proved us wrong, but they have a very winnable couple of series coming up. And if they can make some hay with that, I'm with you. 500 looks pretty easy. But the good news about an off day is it comes after a win. So it almost feels like you win two days in a row because you're not going to lose tonight either. So, or, And we're record, recording this on Thursday. So, Yeah, yeah well, at least you don't have to go to bed on two two straight losses. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Exactly. And and let's start there. With this weekend coming up, we've, we've seen and we've heard, because Joe Torre said it on the broadcast the other night when he was in Cincinnati, that both the Pirates and the Reds have been warned beforehand. And they even used a quote, and Marty... Uh, talked about this on the radio, there was a quote in it that said, penalties for the managers will be enforced like you've never seen before if monkey business happens. 
So do we think that's the end of it? Do we think that this is going to be a clean baseball series this weekend? Um, it's, uh, you would like to think so. You know, we're, we're talking about some adults here. You'd like to think that with enough, <laughs> uh, time having passed from the second fight, these teams have had this season, um, from how much the suspensions took a toll on both teams. And if you look at the records that both teams had while they were playing shorthanded, um, obviously the pirates are dealing with a lot more injuries than the reds are, even though the reds are pretty banged up now as well. Um, you know, the, those suspensions happened at the crux of uh, the red season and the reds didn't really perform very well out of it. So, um, you know, you, you would think that these things are kind of in the past by now, uh, but with Clint Hurdle and the pirates, you never really know. Um, it will be interesting to see whether or not Derek Dietrich manages to get activated at some point before the end of this series, too, uh, since obviously he was kind of the centerpiece of, uh, of how things went down. Right, and see him coming back, and then also uh, maybe at the end of the weekend getting Joey back as well. I'm hoping, just so he can wear that Players Weekend uniform uh, and the announcers can have fun with saying who's on first. <laughs> but did you see the piece in The Athletic about the turmoil in the Pirates locker room? I did. Um, it's it's going to be very, very interesting to see where that franchise goes from here, because obviously it's a franchise that, you know, it, they've had a very, very good run over the last decade or so, obviously the last couple of years notwithstanding. But um, it, it's been more or less the same people in charge of that organization through it, operating on a shoestring budget, but making a lot of really savvy moves and savvy deals that have paid off. Uh those have really dried up. Um, you know, you started to see some of their more key players and some of the guys they've invested in uh, not really you know, performed at a, a, a replacement level, uh, much less uh, be the kind of overperforming stars that you would expect there to be. And between that uh, and the discord and that and that dugout, it just seems like the uh, the, the clock is ticking on on uh, the, the pirates as we know them, uh, I, I think. And obviously the injury issues they've been facing as well with Jameson Tyon. Uh, having that elbow surgery, Gregory Polanco being banged up pretty much all year. Um, you know, you, you like to think that they're a better team than what they've put on the field the last couple uh, weeks and months. But uh, yeah, you, you certainly get the impression that between the losing and the, the just the, the the ruffled feathers all up and down that locker room, that there's going to be some major change uh, for them before the end of uh, before the well before the start of next season, I should say. Exactly. It, it, it was something that I read in that piece was like all the different stories and all that. But what you read into it is change has got to come because like you mentioned with Polanco and his injury riddled seasons the last couple of years, really, that's put a damper on what they thought was going to be an amazing outfield. And of course, that was back when they had Andrew McCutcheon as well. And now Starling Marte is a free agent. You don't know if they're going to keep them. Maybe they hold on to him. Maybe they don't. But I, I wonder if we're going to see a completely different Pirates team next season. Because isn't, uh, isn't Clint Hurdle managing under a contract here? I, I want to say he is, yeah. Um, I, don't, I know I don't they've, they've been very hesitant to extend anybody uh, for too long up in Pittsburgh, but I, I want to say he is. Um, and even if he's not, uh, I wouldn't be at all shocked to see them move on from him, uh, just given how things have kind of played out this year. Well, it will be interesting to watch how they perform. And on the other end of the spectrum, our wonderful red legs, we've got uh, something that some people have been lamenting. Like, you know, the, the the folks who see a game every now and then kind of have the, oh my gosh, who are these guys kind of feel to them. And then there's those of us that 
for whatever reason, we just keep watching this team. <laughs> um, we we love the new guys that have been playing. All of these new guys, and C. Trent had an article in his C Notes this week talking about how there's like only a handful of guys left on the team from opening day to now. What we've seen out of these new guys, and we're going to see a lot of them again this weekend, who are the guys that you're most uh, looking for the rest of the year? Are you looking at the Galvises and the Iglesias as as the season ends, or are you looking more for the Van Meters and the Aquinos and guys like that to show you what they've got for 2020? Yeah, you know, I, I'm 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 fascinated with both Aquino and Van Meter uh, uh, specifically, just because they're guys that just came kind of out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, you, you look up at some of the best teams in baseball right now. Um, y- you've got to draft well, obviously, and you've got to you've got to hit it out of the park when you're spending a lot of money in high draft picks on a lot of guys. Uh, but you look at some of the, the, the better rosters out there and it's a lot of guys that took a while. You know, it just they, they didn't click for the uh, the first couple of years. And uh, they got a chance eventually down the road because teams were savvy enough to give them those opportunities and they've taken it and run with it. Um, you know, you look at you look at the Dodgers right now and obviously, yeah, Corey Seager was a first round pick and was supposed to be good and is. Uh, but you look at guys like Justin Turner, you look at guys like Max Muncy, um, who were kind of afterthoughts in other organizations for a time and finally got an opportunity and it clicked later on in their careers. And those are two of the better hitters in the baseball right now. Um, you look up at the history of uh, guys across the league well in Cincinnati Todd Frazier took a while he was a 25 year old rookie and uh, former first round draft pick but a guy who really kind of sputtered at the top levels in the minor leagues and important finally getting an opportunity at 25 and taking off uh, guys like Josh Donaldson in previous years uh, Jose Bautista as well um, you look up at guys that weren't necessarily top prospects or were guys that just weren't there at 23 at 24 or even at 25 but finally something clicked whether it was a swing change or a different coach or whatever um, there is at least a, a mold for guys like Aquino uh, and guys like Van Meter to kind of come from out of nowhere, which is basically what both of them have done. Um, Van Meter more out of nowhere than Aquino, because Aquino at least was a, a rather highly regarded prospect in his earlier years, the lower minors. But uh, yeah, for me, seeing whether or not you've actually got legitimate everyday players in those guys, um, the early returns have obviously been fantastic uh, from both of them. Um, but seeing what they've got over the next 30 whatever games uh, between now and the end of the season, I think is pretty vital for the front office to know what they need to address going into this offseason. Because, you know, obviously they put a lot of eggs in their basket for the 2020 season, uh, t- trading Taylor Trammell to get one year of Trevor Bauer in 2020 uh, kind of signals that they're going to be making more moves and be ready for 2020 to be a big year. Uh, if they can see what they want from Van Meter and Aquino from here on out, I think that will go a long, long way to letting them put their focus on other needs, whether it's behind the plate or at the back end of the bullpen. I'm with you. And especially with Van Meter, he is part of one of the more interesting, and I really don't know how this thing's going to end, the the saga of the middle infield and i call it saga (laughs) because we don't have a trilogy we don't even have a quadrilogy there's like 25 guys it feels like who can play second base and shortstop like what are we gonna see out of this and i'm seeing you know articles on mlb.com talking about boy this middle infield relationship of galvis and iglesias is really paying off and i know I'm not alone in thinking this, but really, if we're entering 2020 with second base of Galvis and a shortstop of Iglesias, I'm a little bit concerned. Is that where you are in this, or what are your thoughts on the middle infield saga? 
I, I think Jose Iglesias and Freddie Galvis playing shortstop and second base um, is the known quantity in all this. Uh, that's where you, you know what the floor is you're going to get for those two guys. Um, I'm with you. I'm much more excited to see the upside of guys like Van Meter, who obviously look like if they're for real and they're younger with more time to continue to develop, could turn into, you, you, you know, you, you can get two wins above replacement from both Galvis and Iglesias, assuming they are who they are for the next season. Uh, that's okay. That's not great. You look at the best teams in baseball and they're better than that. You look at the worst teams in baseball and they're worse than that. Um, the Reds have to get more production out of those two spots, uh, given the way the rest of the lineup is at this point. Um, I, I really want to see Van Meter take the second base job and run with it and get the opportunity to take the second base job and run with it. Um, I also say that uh, – not wanting that to come at the expense of what Freddie Galvis can provide. And I think that was a pretty savvy pickup if he's the shortstop next year. And they've got a five and a half million dollar option to pick up on him. I think they will. Uh, obviously, what he's shown in the short spurt with the Reds uh, has been exactly what they hoped they would get when they claimed him from Toronto. But I, I like Galvis's upside where he is at his career more for 2020 than I do from Jose Iglesias. And I say that because in what you're seeing from Galvis this year in his breakout is power. You, you, what you're seeing from Jose Iglesias in kind of a breakout offensive year is batting average on balls in play. And when you kind of go forward, especially given the change in the ball and the way that everybody has kind of found more power, uh, Iglesias has a little bit, but part of that's probably just playing Great American Ballpark. Uh, Galvis is really hitting the snot out of the ball this year. And I think that's something that might be able to have a better chance of carrying over for 2020 uh, than Iglesias suddenly just having a high batting average again. Um, and so I think Galvis does provide that kind of upside. And obviously he's a pretty excellent glove guy there as well. So I, I would love to, if, if I could take this vacuum, we're talking about the middle infield uh, for 2020, I'd roll it over and I'd have Galvis at shortstop and I'd give Josh Vamia the chance to, uh, to play almost every day at second base. Cause I think that's the best upside play for, for the combo there. I'm with you. And it's something that I'd seen uh, Jason Linden tweeted about a couple of days ago, said that if you take the rate stats for Josh Van Meter and you spread it out into a full season of at bats, he's a four win guy. And that is huge because we're looking at Iglesias. He's had pretty much a full season at shortstop, and he's been pretty decent. Like you said, he can be a two-win player. Right now he's got a 1.7 war, according to baseball reference. And I'm not looking at fan graphs at the moment, so I, I don't know where it is there. But I'm sure it's probably not that far off. But 1.7 on baseball reference, that's not terrible. But like you said, that's the floor. And even thinking of a guy that you had mentioned earlier and Corey Seager, took a look at the – um, Dodgers page, he's up over three wins already. He's got a 3.2, I believe it was, wins above replacement. Again, baseball reference telling me this. Um, that's pretty much, I think, what the Reds have gotten if you combine their entire middle infield production. And they've still got Kike Hernandez. Well, he's not a top middle infield guy. He's still provided them about the same wins above replacement as Jose Iglesias has. So... You're looking at the top teams in the league. That's what you want the Reds to be. You don't want to settle for a couple of guys who are going to combine to give you what Corey Seager is giving the Dodgers by himself. And now I'm not saying the Reds are going to find Corey Seager. That's, he's a good player. But if Van Meter can be a four-win guy from the second base position, then maybe Galvis gives you two or three. You're talking about a really, really strong team if, the, if that's your middle infield. 
Yeah, 100%. And, and obviously the, the caveat in all of this is that uh, the Reds haven't gotten great production all around from their outfield right now. And that's the one thing that continues to kind of dog them. Uh, they're not a very strong defensive unit out there about most of the metrics, including the eye test. And if you're going to commit to continuing to play Nick Senzel at center field, which is a position he obviously hadn't played before this year, and he's been okay out there. He hasn't looked super, super comfortable, and he's obviously athletic enough to where you hope he continues to improve. Uh, but the fact is the numbers for him out there right now haven't been fantastic. Uh, if you're going to pair him with a guy like Jesse Winker in left field going forward also, who is, again, not an above-average defender either uh, and certainly not an above-average base runner, um, trying to find you know uh, three- and four-win seasons for those guys next year, it's going to take a lot of uh, a large leap. And I, I think you can expect some leap there, and obviously you hope for better health from both of them out there as well. Um, but if you're not getting top-level production from those positions, uh, then you've got to find it elsewhere. And I think the, uh, trying to maximize their ability to get uh, production out of the middle infield when they've got so many options, it really behooves them to put their best options out there. Uh, I don't think that's Jose Iglesias and Freddy Galvis. Um, I think Josh Newmeter certainly deserves to be in that mix. I know for me personally, I have, and I know this is this is a baseball podcast. We love the Reds. I love the Reds. I love baseball far more than football, but I am also the commissioner of a fantasy football league, and we have a draft this Saturday. Do you know the best way to prepare for your fantasy football draft? That is locked on fantasy football. Vinny Iyer has over 20 years of experience covering fantasy football for Sporting News, and now he is a host. For the Locked On Podcast Network, check out Locked On Fantasy Football each and every day with Vinny Iyer. He'll help you win your draft and he'll help you win your league. If you listen to the same stuff as everyone else, guess what? You're going to be just like everybody else. And people who are just like everybody else don't win their leagues. Listen to Locked On Fantasy Football. Picture this. It's the fourth inning. The Reds have a couple of guys on base. They're trying to come back. They're down by two. And they've got a Eugenio Suarez up at the dish. And your stomach's growling. You're hungry. You don't really have anything to eat there at the apartment or at your house. You might be better off and have a house. But you don't have anything to eat in the kitchen. What are you going to do? Are you going to get in your car and... Go find a drive through Maybe listen to the game on the radio. Oh, but then you pull up on Taco Bell or, you know, wherever you go. I just thought of Taco Bell first. And there's a long line through the drive through Do you know how you avoid that? Postmates. Check out the Postmates app. Today, we've got an introductory offer for you. Whenever you create an account on the Postmates app, enter promo code Locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. You're going to get free delivery for your first seven days. Or heck, maybe it's not even a baseball game. Maybe you're trying to binge watch your favorite show on streaming and you just don't want to get up off the couch. Because think about it if you get up off the couch, you're going to just zonk yourself out of streaming mode. Everyone knows that there is a binge watching zone that you get into. And when you break yourself out of it, then you realize all of the actual productive stuff that you should have been doing. Do you know how you keep in that binge watching zone, but still get the food that you require? Postmates. Check out the Postmates app. Promo code locked on today for seven days in free delivery. 
That's the Postmates app and promo code locked on. Without looking, who have been the three most valuable outfielders according to wins above replacement for the Reds? Uh, without looking, um, huh, well, it's 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 hard to I'm trying to to, to parse through exactly how much playing time uh, Derek <laughs> Dietrich had in left field versus first base versus second base, and the same can kind of go for Van Meter too, because uh, he spent so much time in left field and at second base. Um, I think Aquino's probably got to be at least in the top three already. Uh, at this juncture. Um, and if we're going baseball reference, I, I think Senzel's right about, he's a little over one at this point. Uh, and Winker's defense had, had certainly, certainly knocked him down a peg. Uh, that's interesting, man. There's been a lot of rotation going through out there. Uh, and heck, Yasiel Puig probably still ranks among the top three at this point too. It's been, it's funny because just looking at it, you think, well, you're probably thinking those guys, Phil Irvin is one of the most valuable <laughs> outfielders. Yep. And we and we continually talk about how little playing time he's gotten. And you just see all these guys, this just jumble of it. Do, can you go into 2020 with a platoon of an outfield? I think you can. Uh, I think some of the best teams have, honestly. I mean, you've seen the Cubs. I, I don't have them uh, pulled up in front of me immediately right now, but you look at some of their better years over the last two or three seasons – uh, they were given Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant 600-plus uh, plate appearances and then a bunch of guys that were rotating between about 450 and 550. Uh, they were finding playing time for everybody. Obviously, Javier Baez has taken off since then, and they've been uh, a little bit less mixing and matching with guys like Ben Zobrist out. Uh, but at their best, they were playing a lot of guys and giving them all the right matchups. Uh, I think you see the Dodgers do that a lot too. Um, not, obviously, the Cubs went out and picked up uh, Nick Castellanos as well. Uh, because they needed somebody to help them all left-handed pitching, and he's done that to a, uh, a wonderful degree for them since they picked him up. Um, yeah, I, I think having a platoon is not – in today's modern day and age, I don't think that's a bad word, so to speak, uh, because teams go to their bullpen so much more often. You're looking at guys who are left-handed hitters. You're getting maybe two plate appearances a game against righties uh, before the bullpen comes in, and then you're facing lefties pretty much exclusively, uh, at least when you're facing the best teams out there that have those kind of options. Um, having guys that, that, that mix and match and can play to their strengths, uh, I think that's something David Bell has shown that he's very, very uh, uh, in favor of. Um, and I think having the right options to do that is what's key. Uh, you know, obviously, you don't want to platoon Jesse Winker with uh, the 38-year-old Miguel Cairo. Um, but if you've got a peak guy like uh, Philip Irvin who's shown that he can absolutely crush left-handed pitching, uh, you're giving both of those guys uh, maximized opportunities when you play them like that. Uh, and obviously, injuries will pick up every now and then, and you'll see guys play uh, righty on righty and lefty on lefty more than I, I think David Bell would ideally want to have. But I don't think that's a bad thing, knowing that you've got guys that really fit the bill of being uh, the best option when uh, the other team goes to their best relief option. Pulling it all together, what sort of things you guys got going on over at the Red Reporter? Uh, that's a really good question. You know, we're, we're, uh, we actually should have a piece running later today that's focusing on Nick Senzel more than anything else because it's been kind of funny to, to watch his season as it's gone on um, as the guy who was the number two overall draft pick and consensus top ten prospect and the guy that wasn't called up to start the season with the Reds and then they went one and eight and he you know sprained his ankle and lost the first month of the season. But uh, the guy who's legitimately been considered the future of the Reds for the last three or four years, um, just kind of looking at his rookie season, especially now that guys like Van Meter and Aquino have – come up out of the shadows kind of out of nowhere and 
uh, kind of put Sinzel's name on the back burner a little bit, which is kind of an, uh, an interesting thing to see because it's certainly the first time that that's really happened uh, to him in his career. But more or less just looking at his rookie season and how he fits in and um, what's worked and what hasn't for him so far in this rookie year, which has been a, a good campaign, but uh, somewhat of a frustrating one on, on some levels, given the fact that so many other players are just hitting the ball out of the ballpark left and right. And that's not something that he's really been doing. Um, so we'll have that going and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a couple other features running uh, uh, later next week as we kind of get into the end of the season and start doing some look backs on what worked and what didn't and uh, start to identify some players that the Reds might have interest in and uh, in going out and picking up as we move uh, move closer into this uh, look at 2020 portion of, uh, of the season. So, uh, yeah, all of that should be coming up at some point in the next couple of days. The Sins all stuff should be running later on this afternoon, but uh, we'll have some uh, some more kind of speculative stuff on where the Reds go from here uh, uh, later on this week and um i'm also kind of keeping my eyes peeled on on this this waiver uh uh, claim process because uh, as we've mentioned numerous times before the Reds have so many different options kind of as a log jam especially at their middle infield um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if somebody gets plucked off this Reds roster because they're willing to let somebody go between now and I guess the August 31st uh, uh, deadline for players to, to change teams and be eligible for playoff rosters but not just with the Reds but across the league as well I think it's something that we'll see pick up significantly uh, over the next uh, week week and a half and we'll be following that and just kind of how that fits into the new mold of uh, how MLB transactions have, uh, have changed with this one trade deadline. So all of that coming up, hopefully in the next week, week and a half. How loudly would you have laughed me out of the room if in March I would have told you that Nixon Zell's name would at some point this year almost be forgotten based on other players' performance? Yeah, yeah, I'd have been shocked, absolutely <laughs> shocked. I mean, obviously, we, we talked about Van Meter and Aquino coming up, but now you've got Taylor Trammell out of the system as well. So it's been a very, very interesting uh, year on not just the Reds' farm, but I guess the the promotion and, and the rookies and this, this era and level of – uh, Cincinnati Reds uh, 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 players at this juncture because it's been uh, almost a flip-flop from where the, these names would have been all of four or five months ago. I'm with you on the waiver claim process too. Like I was thinking about all the guys they got coming off the injured list and who, if anyone, you would see waived. If you could just take a stab, like pick one name that if the Reds were to wave, who would you think the Reds would wave today? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's interesting. We talked about Gosman. We talked about Di Scalfani. If they've identified already one of those guys that they think is going to be a better option, uh, would they be willing to let those guys go right now? Um, do they have enough trade value to where you uh, you keep everybody and don't let them uh, go and you tender them all contracts and roll the dice that you might be able to trade one of them for something at the uh, at some point this offseason? Um, it's going to be interesting because I think what teams are kind of picking up and learning in the way that this waiver claim system has gone in July or in August, uh, post July 31st trade deadline, I think it's going to really change the way a lot of teams look at uh, um, how they deal with players in one-year contracts going forward and how little trade value you, you might have for those kind of guys this winter because teams know that they can just pick them up as pure salary dumps with no trades uh, if they wait until after the July 31st trade deadline. It almost creates a new market for that. Um, the one player that has, does kind of jump off the page is a kind of an obvious one to me is Alex Wood um, because simply – Speaking in terms of upside starters on bad teams and good teams looking for guys to help bolster their playoff chances, um, there aren't a whole lot of guys better suited or better qualified than Alex Wood if he can finally put a couple good starts together. 
because um, the Reds could save, I don't know, what, two, three million dollars, two and a half million dollars on the back end of his salary for a guy that's going to be a free agent at years in anyway. You know, maybe they do. You know, maybe a team like the Oakland A's, who's been cobbling up all sorts of pitching left and right, says, hey, we'll claim him. And if the Reds want to let him go, holding on to him doesn't really do a lot for him. So um, that's the one name I'll be watching between now and uh, August 31st, because I think he's a, a potentially playoff altering guy when he's right and some team would love to have the opportunity to, to roll him out there uh for their playoff chase and for the playoffs themselves if the reds are willing to let him go that would be hilarious to see if the reds were to wave him and oakland picks him up and he takes a rotation spot from homer bailey <laughs> or matt harvey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or matt harvey yeah uh wick i appreciate your time man thanks so much for coming on and i uh, hope to talk to you again soon absolutely thanks for having me Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.